0: Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're a One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. Pastor Steve, a couple weeks ago, he spoke to us on culture. He spoke to us on culture. And I'm like, I was sitting through that message. And I was so inspired listening to it. I just couldn't help but feel, because I knew I was preaching tonight, and I was like, man, I just feel like I'm, I'm supposed to preach part two to that message. But Lord, I have no idea what that even means. I don't even know what that would be. And honestly, the way Pastor Steve puts together words, I'm just like, what more is there to say? It was, it was perfect. I, I was like, Lord, I, I don't even know what, what I would add to this. And so, I believe the Lord has given me a word tonight, compounding interest, spiritual compounding interest on Pastor Steve's message on culture. And what Pastor Steve was teaching us, culture is the behaviors and beliefs characteristic of a particular group of people as a social, ethnic, professional, or age group. So essentially, culture... Is what a society finds excellent or important. See, in ancient Greece, you know, we had the the beautiful architecture and literature, the poetry, the drama, the statues and paintings. It was a beautiful, beautiful time of culture. You know, in nowadays, you know, we have like our you know, ticky-tack dances and and tweeter memes. And like, that's our culture. Like, that's what we, as a society, are like, yep, that's us, that's it, that's what's important. That's the good stuff right there. And so Pastor Steve was explaining to us that before you get to meet the king, you experience the culture of the kingdom in which the king either allows to happen or actively promotes. Before you get to meet the king, you experience the culture of the kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus prayed that the Father's kingdom would come and his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Here on earth as it is in heaven. He was inviting the culture of heaven to earth. Before we get to meet the king, he was inviting his culture here on Earth, And long before God sent Jesus to establish his kingdom, he began establishing his culture through something called covenants. You see, a covenant is, most simply put, just an agreement. And there are several, there's many, many covenants throughout the Bible where God would go to his people and say, Hey, I need you to do this, this, and this, or live this way. And I'm going to bless you this, this, and this way. Or I'm going to bless you abundantly this way. And so throughout the Bible, there's several, several covenants. And there's five covenants in particular that are crucial to understanding the Bible in its entirety as a story of redemption. And these covenants are how God unfolds his story and plan of redemption over humanity. And so my favorite covenant out of the entire Bible, I must say, is the Mosaic Covenant. Now, the Mosaic Covenant is just a fancy way of saying that time that God went and talked to Moses. Moses, he's my guy. I love him to death. Well, he's not here anymore, so I guess I just love him. It seems insincere to say I love him to death. Anyways, he's literally my favorite character in the entire Bible. So, you know, we're going to talk about him tonight and probably every other day you ever talk to me for the rest of your life. But what's interesting about the Mosaic Covenant is that its purpose was to distinguish God's people from other nations. The whole point of the agreement between God and his people was so that he would set them up to be different in appearance, different in culture different in every single way from every other nation on earth. But interestingly enough, the distinguishing factor of this covenant to other covenants was that there was blessings based upon obedience, but there was also curses based upon disobedience. So a lot of times what you'll see is God having a covenant with someone saying, if you do this thing, I'm gonna give you that. And if that person doesn't do that thing, it's like, okay, then you don't get that. But in this particular covenant, God was being so conditional on the blessing and the curse. He was saying, I want you to do this this way. And if you do it, I'm gonna bless you that way. And if you don't do it, and if you disobey the covenant that you're agreeing to, I'm going to curse you this way and punish you this way. And so it's a very interesting covenant to me in that way. So we're diving right in. We're going to jump right in on the story in Exodus chapter 19, where God, he's already delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. He's delivered them from slavery. He's done this through uh, giving plagues upon their enemies. I mean, parting the sea, having it crash down on the bad guys. Like it is, it is quite the story. And so if you don't know the story, I encourage you, read before Exodus chapter 19, and then come back later and start this sermon up again. And so right at Exodus chapter 19, God has followed through on every promise he's made. He has proven himself to be faithful time and time again. And so Moses, he goes up this mountain called Mount Sinai, and he's going up there to hear from God. And to speak with him and and this would happen a lot is is God would speak to him and tell him this is what I want you to tell my people and so Moses is going up Mount Sinai and this is what God told him for the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 it says now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession although the whole earth is mine you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. See, God intended Israel to be a kingdom of priests where every believer could come before God in communion with him. And as a group, they would represent God to all of the nations. This was like an incredibly special and very, very specific um, privilege, honestly, beyond anything, that God would offer that. Like, I want you to do this thing for me, and I'm going to make you a, a kingdom of priests, a, priest, a holy nation among all the world. You will represent me to the earth. And so Moses takes that covenant, the offering, God's putting out. He heads back down the mountain, and he goes to the people, and he says, okay, so this is what God has said that he is offering us. He, he's offering us a covenant, and if we do this, he's going to do that for, for us. And so he asks everyone what they think, and they say, they respond all together in verse 8. It says, we will do everything the Lord has said, and that's it. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. See, they answered this with a genuine heart, but I must say they answered this out of ignorance because if you really pay close attention to the scripture, what do they got to do? God doesn't say. He says, I want you to obey everything I'm going to tell you. And if you do so, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests and I'm going to make you a holy nation. And they just go, sounds good. We'll do everything the Lord says. And then it's like, wait, he didn't say anything yet too bad you already said yes. And I feel like sometimes God is desiring us to be obedient even in the mystery. See, not every single time is he gonna write it out and just put the roadmap right in front of you and tell you exactly what's next. Just because you don't know what that next season is doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And God is asking you, are you gonna obey me before we get there? He deserves our obedience all the more. But I will say this, Why wouldn't God bless you even greater when you are obedient without understanding the call, without understanding the task, without even knowing what's coming up next? And you're saying, you know what, God, I don't even care what it's going to be. I'm going to say yes to you. I'm not going to say yes to what you're about to say. I'm going to say yes to you. And so what is he going to do in response? He's going to lift you up. He's going to promote you and he's going to bless you. Because that's how our God works, if we say yes to him. Because the reality is, God deserves our praise. Like we, like we come out and saying, like God is, God is worthy of all of our worship. Well, what happens if he never heals anyone? Whatever, whatever happens if he, if he never performs a miracle ever again, is he still worth it? Yeah, he is. He doesn't need to do anything. He doesn't need to bless us. He doesn't need to tell us what's next. He doesn't need to explain anything to us at all because he's worth it. And so I encourage you, say yes to God every day of your life. Say yes when you don't understand. Say yes when you don't know what's coming next. Do it in obedience and you will be blessed in return. That's just how he works. So Moses, he heads back up the mountain to deliver the answer of the people back to God. And then God outlines for 12 chapters. Didn't see that one coming. Outlines for 12 chapters what he wants them to do. It's like, hey, can you do this teensy-weensy little thing for me? And then for 12 chapters, he starts telling Moses exactly the way that he wants their lifestyle to be. He says, this is going to be the culture of Israel, and this is how I want us all to live. For 12 chapters, he's excruciating in the detail. He spares nothing. I've got a little bit of it here. So let's start reading this. So so it starts in, in chapter 20. So it says, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, of the house bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Let's skip ahead a little bit. Uh, And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. That's kind of a big one. Uh, You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. That's just weird. Three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. Just three times a year? That's okay. Uh, for 12 chapters, all of that, he spared no details at all. God was so specific on the requirements of this covenant lifestyle that he was explaining to them because he had a specific blessing for them. Sometimes God's going to give you a very specific dream, a very specific call in your life, something that's not really for anyone but you, something no one may understand but you because God put it on your heart, and he's going to be so specific I want you to do this. I want you to live this way and I want you to abstain from that because he has a very specific blessing in store for you. And so they, they're, they're, they have it laid out for them through all of this, these 12 chapters. This is what Moses is heading, like how are he supposed to remember all that heading down the mountain? So God's writing a little bit of it down for him and delivering it to him and then having him head down the mountain. So at this point, Moses, he's gone up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain. He's coming back down the mountain with just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of rules. And, like, that's how we can look at things. Like, God's setting out a specific way for us to do things, and we could just say, it's just a bunch of rules. But the reality is, rules are a guideline to culture. Imagine this for me. You're watching an NBA game. The finals, they just concluded, where God's mightiest warriors won it in six. Hallelujah, amen. That's how it's supposed to be. So you're watching this NBA game, and then a player picks up the ball, and he just starts running down the court. What's going to happen? The referee's going to blow the whistle, because it's a rule violation, because in the culture of basketball, it is a requirement for you to dribble the ball while in motion, it's a lot easier to just carry the ball and not dribble it, but is a rule in basketball. To say you're playing a game of basketball, you must be dribbling the basketball. You can't call yourself a basketball player if you're unwilling to adhere to basketball culture. You see where I'm going with this? You see, rules are a guideline to culture the laws of a society display what the culture values. So you might not know this, but it is against the law to knowingly destroy an old radio in the city of Detroit, Michigan. In Rochester, Michigan, all bathing suits must be inspected by the head of police. That guy's a perv. That's the law. It's genuinely a law. Look it up. Did you know that it is illegal? This one's for all of you homeboys showing up to a campfire with an acoustic guitar. You know who you are. It is illegal to serenade your girlfriend in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's the law. Do you think it's silly? Then don't live there. It's that simple. You don't like the law? Don't live there, go somewhere else. You don't like the culture? Get out. You think it's dumb? Find a new city. I don't live in Rochester because I don't want them in- inspecting my summer drawers. It's just weird. If you don't like it, no one's making you stay. And then that kind of dumps into church culture. I have a couple examples for you. They're they're honestly my favorites. I've given these a lot of thought. So, you just become a We Are One intern. What do you mean I can't do this or that? What do you mean I gotta be here on this day and that day? Don't you know it's summer break? Okay, don't be an intern. No one made you. You become a We Are One leader. What do you mean I can't watch that movie? What do you mean I'm not allowed to drink that drink? Okay, don't be a leader. No one's making you. No one's keeping you here. You don't like the culture? You don't like the standards of it? Get out. You see, these standards of culture are in place to exhibit holiness. And if you're not going to rise to the standard of holiness, no one's making you. Go do something else. You want to go do whatever you want to do? That's fine. You don't need to live in covenant. You see, laws reveal cultural value. But we can't look at them as just rules. We have to recognize that there is relationship in rules. 100%. Don't forget the the timeline in which all of this is happening on Mount Sinai. Before God delivers the law, he delivers the covenant. Showing us that the covenant, saying we're going to do this together, was more important than the law itself. The obedience of the people in the unknowingness of what the law was going to be was more important than the law itself. But once the rules came forward, God was then showing Israel this is what I value, and this is what we're going to value altogether. And if you don't like it, well, there is the other option. Disobey. So Moses, at this point, he's gone up the mountain, he's received the covenant, he's gone down the mountain, he's received the answer, gone up the mountain, delivered the answer, then received all the rules, and he starts heading down the mountain again. And he's heading down the mountain with one of his leaders named Joshua. Joshua, the little background on him, he is a military man. So they're headed back to the camp where all the people are, and Joshua says, the sound of war is in the camp, because they hear singing. And Moses is like, what in the world is going on? They arrive at the camp to find the people have built a golden calf. They've built an idol to worship. I mean, if we go back, let's, here it is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Oh, it's the first one. Uh, It was the the first thing on his list. Shoot, we missed it. So they come back, and they're, they're worshiping this idol. Moses runs up to his brother Aaron, and he goes, what happened? I went up the mountain. I received the covenant. I came down the mountain. I received the answer. I go up the mountain. I received the rules. And then all of a sudden, you guys are doing this. This is Aaron's response. It's, it's beautiful. Exodus chapter 32. He says, uh, They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, We don't know what's happened to him. I'm sure Moses is thinking, I'm sorry it took so long. God was being kind of thorough. And he continues, so I I told him, uh, uh, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I didn't know what to do with it, so I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. I don't know what happened, Moses. I just threw a bunch of gold in in the fire, and out came this calf. I, I don't know what happened, God. All, all I did was just take my eyes off of you, and all of a sudden, there's this idol. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I, I stopped looking at you, and I, I started looking at this relationship, and then all of a sudden, I'm stuck in this, this, this deep hole, and this guy's trying to take something from me that, that he doesn't deserve outside of marriage. I don't know what happened. I stopped looking at you, God, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at pornography again. I don't know what happened. I stopped looking at you, God, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm sending pictures that are inappropriate to whoever. See, we can read this and think like, wow, how stupid were those people? Oh my gosh, that's us. I don't know what happened. I stopped looking at Jesus and found myself in a pit. I don't know what happened. God was asking more from his people. More than I don't know what happened. More so that he could display to the world the difference between holy and common. Holy and common. You can't be both ever. A literal antonym of holy is common. It used to be profane. That was the original antonym of holy. But they changed it to common because the word profane has gotten such a bad rep. Now it means something less holy than what it used to mean. I still think it's appropriate, though. Holy or profane. It's a lot more work to live in holiness because holiness defies convenience. Covenant defies convenience. You cannot do both, ever. You cannot live in covenant with the Lord and live in convenience of whatever you find easier. See, it was a lot easier for the people of Israel to just be impatient Think about this. Moses goes up the mountain, gets the question, comes down the mountain, gets the answer, and then says, hey, guys, I'm going to go tell God what you said. I'll be right back. Comes back down the mountain, and there's a golden calf. It's, it's a lot easier for them to be like, you know, Moses is honestly taking a while. What do you say we throw some jewelry in a fire, and out comes a calf? God was asking more from his people. This is what I've learned about convenience, is convenience breeds a lack of quality. Convenience breeds a lack of quality. Because it's easy, every single time, guarantee it, there's a lesser quality that has resulted from it. And to illustrate this, I need some help. Who is in the room the bougiest, bottled water diva out there? Like, who, who's like, just like my wife, is like, I got my brand, I can't drink spring water, I can't, it can't be a blue cap, it's gotta be a white cap, and 42 degrees, like, I need a volunteer right now. Who's the bottled water diva? Come on up here. So I've got two cups of water right here. Come on up. I want you to I want you to drink this water. Is it good? Okay, cool. There's one water that's better than the other. Which one is it? It's that one? Alright. Give it up. Give it a go. Thank you, Nick. Okay. So he says this one. This particular water, I got to get my commercial voice out. This particular water, every bottle begins as a cloud over Fiji. Rain falls in a pristine rainforest. The water is naturally filtered by volcanic rock and collected in a natural artesian aquifer, protected from external elements untouched by man, Earth's greatest water, Fiji water. And that stuff, it's just tap. It's just tap water. It's a lot easier, honestly, to just like pull the lever, throw the cup under it, and you're good to go. It's like, let's rock and roll and drink some water. Or you can have what they call the greatest water on earth. The painstaking process, like if it doesn't rain, we don't get another bottle of Fiji water. The process that they go through to make Fiji water, I should say collect Fiji water, Think about this, there's no other place on earth that you can get Fiji water other than Fiji. It's not called Flint water. (laughs) Nobody wants that. But the convenience of tap, it tastes bad. There's like no way around it, it just does not taste good. good. He was a good sport about it. How can your lips touch Fiji water? And then you try some tap. And that's that's like what we do with the Lord all the time. How can your lips taste holiness? And then we go back to the world like a dog to its vomit. How can we taste holiness? How can we taste the goodness of God? And then go, uh, man, Moses has taken a while. Anyone got any jewelry? I got an idea. <laughs> you can't live in covenant and convenience. They will never coexist. You see, the laws given through the Mosaic covenant, that was the exact set of rules that Jesus came to fulfill. Jesus said that he has come to fulfill those rules, not to get rid of them. You see, The purpose of these rules, all 12 chapters of them, the purpose of these rules was to give a tangible metric, a scalable metric for us humans to quantify how badly we needed Jesus. Because every time we can't live up to that, it only proves our humanity. Every time we have a golden calf moment, it's not just a rule, it's a relationship. It's like, oh, I did it again. I, I think I would have learned by now, but I did it I went back to the exact same sin again. I need Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill this law because this law was a reminder of our natured sinfulness and how badly we needed a savior. But that's the beautiful thing about Jesus' culture, no one's making you follow him. If you got a problem with what Jesus is speaking to you and asking of you, what he requires, don't follow him. If you got a problem with the culture of Christ, don't be a part of it. I know it sounds crass, I'm I'm not trying to be rude, but like, in this day and age, we're not messing around. Like, I'm, I'm so sick of lukewarm Christians. I'm so sick of tap water Christians. Like, be in it or be out of it. Because you honestly make us all look stupid when you're half in and half out. Because we are a priesthood, a holy priesthood of the kingdom. We represent Christ to the world. We display to the world the difference between holy and common. And so if you don't want to be holy, if you don't want that Fiji water, whatever, go drink tap. No one's making you drink this. But once you've tasted it, like, I mean, sure, but why? It doesn't make any sense at all. It takes work to follow Jesus. You have to go the extra mile. See, the reality is, if you invite him into every crevice of your being, because there's a lot of rules in here that's like, why? Why does that even matter? The purpose of these rules, they were to show us that this is what it looks like when we invite God into every aspect of our being, every aspect of our lifestyle. No stone unturned. I want Jesus in all of it. And when you invite Jesus into every crevice of your being and lifestyle, you are inviting his blessings, his Kindness, his grace, his goodness into every aspect of your lifestyle, of your being, of your humanity. Because we're we're fallen. We're gonna fail every single step of the way. And Jesus is like, No, I'm right there. Don't worry, I'm right there. See the Mount Sinai experience, it was it was kind of a scary one. If you read more in detail every single time Moses went up to the mountain to hear from God, he received the law specifically from just a few angels, actually. Like, it, it, it was like God used just a few angels to deliver the law. And then Mount Sinai, it was covered in thunder and lightning and a heavy cloud all the way around. There was, there was this earth sound of a trumpet. Like, it was so terrifying. And then just think about the rumble of the voice of God himself making the earth tremble. It was a terrifying experience. And so that experience was everything Jesus came to conquer on Mount Zion. Mount Zion where Jesus died and rose again. You see, the Israelites, they were, in, in all of these rules, it talks about the types of sacrifices they have to make and everything like that with, with their goats and rams and oxen and all that stuff. And, and Jesus is saying, no, no, they were living sacrifice to sacrifice, but I am the eternal sacrifice. I'm gonna do this right now for all of you and you'll never have to sacrifice again. You get to live glory to glory with me. Jesus came and conquered that on Mount Zion. And the parallel between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion is in and of that. Like we see, we see that, that parallel in Hebrews chapter 12. The writer of Hebrews chapter 12 encourages of, of this. He says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire. The darkness, gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them but you have come to mount zion to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to jesus the mediator of a new covenant we shouldn't approach mount zion how we approached mount sinai jesus the mediator of a new covenant. And so I want to tell you, it's time to put away your hesitation. It's time to put away your doubt. It's time to put away anything that's holding you back from approaching God boldly. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. This was the Mosaic covenant. This is what the Israelites had to go through. Jesus came to establish God's kingdom here on earth in a new covenant. So across this place, if you would bow your heads, close your eyes, I just have a question for you. Are you living in culture that is convenient or covenant? Just take a moment and have the Holy Spirit address that in you. Because it's easy to just say the the Christian answer and just say, yeah, I'm living in covenant. But I want the Holy Spirit to show every single one of us tonight exactly where we're being convenient. In the little details, in the things that are easily overlooked, are you living in covenant or conveniency? Because God is asking more of us. We are his chosen people intended to display holiness to the world. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so for many of you tonight, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he's calling you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand in just a second here. And if you want to come into relationship with Jesus, into covenant with him, that's that moment. And so on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand if that's you. Put aside your hesitation, put aside your doubt. Don't think about it. We overthink everything. Jesus wants all of you tonight. So on the count of three, hands up. One, two, three. If that's you, you wanna be in relationship with Jesus. There's so many hands. Don't hesitate. Don't question it. Amen. Now, for those of you that have been living in covenant with the Lord, but you're constantly tormented by the temptation of living in convenience, We're gonna, we're gonna all pray together. But I want, I want you to lift your hand as well if if you're like really struggling, just to signify to the Lord, like Jesus, I want you in every crevice of my being. So on the count of three, if that's you, one, two, three. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, and and I I say that there's a lot. Um, not to embarrass anybody, but I, I want to encourage you because your eyes are closed. You might think you're alone in this. You're absolutely not alone. There's so many people in the same boat. It's important to have a, accountable conversations with one another and call each other out. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Hey, you're living a little convenient right there. Don't forget the covenant that we're, we're staying true to. So all together, we're going to just say this prayer if you want to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I'm done living my own way. I want a relationship with you. I believe you died and rose again. And I want to be a part of that covenant. I will not live in the convenience of the world I want all of you to take over all of me. In in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.